0: Welcome to episode 157 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. As I mentioned in last week's episode, in recent weeks I've been gradually completing the preparation for the 2009 Hokkaido Photography Tour and Workshop. Today I'm going to take you through some of the details about the workshop as it's going to be a little bit different from the one that we did earlier this year. I have updated the workshops website, so if you're at a computer now, take a look at uh, www.mbpworkshops.com or check it out later if you're on the move at the moment. I'll put a link to the show notes too, so it'll make it easier for you to find that. Um, No need to take any notes on anything today because it's all on the mbpworkshops.com website. So let's get right into it and see what's in store for you in the 2009 Winter Wonderland workshop. So, first off, I need to tell you that like any good businessman, I listen to my customers and at the end of this year's workshop, I got a lot of feedback from the participants. One of the things that I heard which I was most conscious to implement next time around was that everyone thought that the trip had been too short. We actually spent about four and a half days uh, on the ground in Hokkaido, making it a five day trip including the travel. As it turned out that most of the participants came to Japan just for this trip and because there was uh, just so much to see and photograph, most people wanted more time in Hokkaido. So the biggest change is that uh, I've doubled the length of the tour in 2009. Instead of saying four nights in Hokkaido, we'll be there for eight nights, giving us eight and a half full days on the ground, or nine days including the travelling. Now, in case you simply cannot get away for that length of time, conversely, I have built in an early dropout option, and... That means that those that you know really just cannot get away with the, you know, don't have enough time or don't want to spend that much money, um, you know, the, the amount for the full tour, then you can actually drop out after the first four and a half days. If you go for this option, you'll be dropped at the Mimambitsu airport at lunchtime on the fifth day and given your ticket back to Tokyo Hanada Airport. The rest of the group will then continue on to concentrate on landscape work, uh, moving inland towards the Daisetsuzan uh, National Park, and then on around to the Furano and Biei areas. So we, we won't be hanging around too long with you at the airport. You'll know which gate to board from, though, and it's not so difficult once you get around, uh, you know, back into Tokyo. Still, I really hope that anyone that signs up can stay for the full nine days because it's really going to be the photography tour and workshop of a lifetime. Let's go on and take a little bit of a look at the details. The photography tour and workshop will start on Monday the 16th of February 2009 and end on the 24th. The dropout day is the uh, 20th, which is a Friday. If that is your only option, then you know it's there, uh, but like I say, we really think uh, it, it would be just great if you could stick with us for the whole tour. We will fly into Hokkaido from Hanade Airport in Tokyo, and we'll fly into the Kushiro Airport. The first five days will be very similar to the 2008 tour. If you want to hear how that went, by the way, I suggest you listen to episodes 125 through 128, um, and, you know, that's basically the episodes, four episodes in which I reported back on the trip this year. I also went into detail on the plans for the uh, the first leg of this tour in episode 103. Um, but, you know, that was actually before we went, so it's probably not going to be that valuable, and I'm going to go into most of the details again today. Another point of reference is the video that I released in episode 146, which was basically 12 images from myself and four of the five 2008 participants. This is not only fun to watch, but you, you know it'll give you a good idea of the various ways that people uh, interpreted the first five days, or what will be the first five days of, this, of next year's tour. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it today, except for uh, just explaining where we'll go and what we'll see. So we can, you know, we take that early flight into Kushiro on the 16th and make our way straight to the Akan International Crane Center. That's about 30 minutes or so by bus from the airport. We have a, a chartered bus for the whole uh, eight days, uh, nine, nine days roughly, um, and, uh, you know, professional driver, so we don't have to worry about that. There is nowhere to change on the way to the airport, though, so I suggest that you, you leave um, your hotel or, or home, whether if you're here in Japan already. Um, basically, arrive at the airport in your cold-weather clothing and every, have everything handy uh, for your first day's shooting. For anything that you'll need on the first day that has to go into your baggage, make sure that it's near the top and easily accessible so you can just open the bag, throw it in your pocket or your camera bag, and then be away, uh, you know. As soon as we, uh, as soon as we get to the crane center, we really want to be out on the snow and shooting as soon as possible after landing. Depending on the weather, we'll move to a different spot for before sunset, um, at, you know, for maybe the last hour or so of of the daylight, and then up to sunset and maybe a little after, and then we spend our first night in the hotel Taito in a small village called Tsurui that basically translates as cranes are here which i, <laughs> I love that it's a, such a cool name for a town unless something changes this is the only hotel on the tour this year where people will have to share and it might not be everybody but um, it's a very nice hotel but in a small town like this um you know although it has great food and wonderful people um a professional photographer actually uh, owns the hotel a guy named Wadasan um and you know Great place, but it's a relatively small hotel um, compared to the pretty much sort of luxury hotels that we stay in for most of the rest of the week. So, you know, they simply don't have enough rooms for us all to have one each. But they're big, spacey rooms, um, and, you know, they they have um, one of those big, typical Japanese open sort of communal baths and things, uh, hot spring type things. It's really, really nice place, uh, but you may have to share on this first night. The following morning we get up bright and early and go down to the river and try to get shots like image number 1704. This location carries most risk in terms of weather though. I've been here numerous times during winter mornings and only had these conditions once. It's not rare by any means but when you only have one morning like we will do on our tour we could easily miss this. Keeping fingers crossed though, um, You know, we did this this is the this is one of the images that I shot on the January two thousand eight tour, so it's definitely a a, a possibility. We then uh, go back to back to the hotel for breakfast and out again to shoot the cranes. Then move on to the Kush- Kusharo Lake in the afternoon, where we'll do some panning shots, shooting the Hooper swans as they come into land and take off from the frozen lake. And there's they're very tame, so there's plenty of you know you can get right up to them. And uh, you know, take all sorts of shots as well. So it's re- it was really was incredible fun the last time. We then stop at the Kusharo Prince Hotel on that night, which is an amazing hotel, great buffet, um, and it also, this also went down very well last time. The following morning, it's up before dawn and off to Bihoro Pass for some dawn landscape photography, like that that we can see in image number eight eight six. Remember, though, that although it can be quite warm, uh, reaching almost freezing point during these uh, dawn shoots, it will get typically a lot colder. Um, And, you know, around minus 18 to 22 Celsius, which is about zero to minus eight degrees Fahrenheit. So you'll need uh, some good thermal clothing, which I'll get to later. After breakfast on this day, we drive over to Daosu, which is a pretty long drive. Um, we'll possibly sh- stop off on the way if we see something that we want to shoot. We did that last time. Um, but then as we get into the town of Naosu, we'll stop and shoot the ice flows and also the the waterfall, um, which is the uh, uh, Oshinkoshin waterfall, very famous one over on that side of the Shiritoko Peninsula, which we can see a close-up of in image number 1724. Depending on the time and our luck, we might also see some deer on this afternoon and be able to photograph them. On the third night, we stay at the Daosu Daiichi Hotel. On the fourth morning, we, um, we get up nice and early again. Uh, the fourth morning will be the 19th, and weather permitting, we will board a boat called the Evergreen and sail out into the Daos Harbour to shoot the stellar sea eagles and white-tailed eagles. One of my favourite uh, Stellar Sea Eagles shots is image number two six seven. I have lots of shots of these guys um, looking a little bit more natural, you know, in flight and doing all sorts of stuff. But this one just—it's an old photograph from one of my first winter visits, um, and it's—it's it's basically, you know, just a little bit comical. These guys look like they could be, uh, you know, have cigars in their mouths and just be sort of bad mouthing someone over on coming out of the barber's store on the other side of the harbour or something like that. Uh, anyway, the, uh, there's also another nice white-tailed eagle shot, uh, which is image number 874, also one from a, a, a few years ago. Weather conditions actually kept us from going out last time, uh, you know, this January. So keeping fingers crossed here too. By the way, I gave everyone their $90 back, um, uh, the, you know, the $90 that this excursion would have cost this year. So no one was out of pocket because we didn't go. Uh, but it would just would have been really nice to have actually gone out. After breakfast, we shoot the ice floes if it's there and then drive around to the other side of the Shiritoko Peninsula to Utoro, where we'll shoot some deer before heading to the hotel. Here we stay in the Shiritoko Daiichi Hotel, which is another really nice one, uh, it's a huge buffet and there's actually a great big wooden Viking ship in the middle of the restaurant here, so you can imagine just how big the hall is. On the morning of the 20th, the last day of the first phase of the tour, we have an option, uh, an optional dawn shoot, which uh, we actually last time we decided to do, and this will probably be what happens again, um, as you know, on the fifth day people are starting to get a bit tired and getting up at the crack of dawn every day. Uh what we did was we still had an early breakfast and and then headed out um after dawn. I think we headed out at about 7 AM, something like that. Um and we went over to the Shiritoko Nature Reserve and or what was it, nature center, and we photographed the deer and landscape. And if uh, if you don't have if we don't have any early levers, we'll actually stay here a little longer this time, as we don't have to really rush to get to the airport. Uh, hopefully then uh, you know we'll make our way um if we do have more time that is we'll make our way down to the lake for some landscape shots and it's a really beautiful area depending on the weather uh hopefully we'll be able to see the mountains reflecting in the surface of the larger lake we actually split up here last time and i intend to get uh up to four radio transceivers uh like walkie talkies or something for our next trip because you know if we do split up uh, it's, you know, sometimes some people will find a group of deer and, and the others won't know about it until later. So to try to, to get us, as, you know, to enhance our chances a little bit, um, I intend to get some, some uh, radio transceivers this time. And that, that way we'll be able to split up into groups of, say, three, four groups of three. And then, um, you know, we should always be able to sort of t- stay in touch. And also as the 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 tour sort of you know the participants increase i want to do this for safety's sake so i will probably designate one person um in each group or or you know if we're all together even just make sure that um three other people apart from myself have uh, one of these radios so that we can uh, keep in touch easily um after this we will shoot the ice flow on the way out of town as in image number 1729 in which you can see the group from the 2008 trip having some fun fooning. It will be shortly after this when we say goodbye to anyone that is only signed up for the first five days. The rest of the group will then head inland to the Daisetsuzan National Park. It's a long drive though, traversing more than half the island, and it's a big island, so we split the drive up a bit, stopping at a relatively nondescript town called Onneyu. And I've I've booked us in a really nice hotel here again, uh, so we should enjoy it. Um, I considered stopping at a place called Kitami, a few miles back up the road, but Kitami is a city, so the hotel wouldn't have been so good. It would have been more like a business hotel, as they call them here in Japan, um, relatively cheap, but we, you know, it wouldn't have been the same, and you know there'd have been no photography opportunities. I have never stayed in onniu the place that we'll stay at this time, but it looks like we we might have some luck uh photography-wise if there's plenty of snow. Um as it's really sort of out of out of town, it's uh, the the map at least it looks like it's not too crowded. Um not you know, not too densely populated area. The following day we drive around the Daisetsuzan mountain range to uh, uh, then we sort of start to drive up Mount Asahi. Uh, this will be my first visit to Mount Assi in the winter, but if you recall episode 48 some years ago, um, it was about two years ago now, um, you might remember this location. It's a beautiful place, and one of my favourite shots from that trip is image number 1079. It's going to look much, much different uh, to this when we go next time though, because the the whole place will be totally whited out, um, so it's just going to be a, a total winter scene. We'll stay actually on the mountain in a really nice hotel. Uh, Right now I've booked in a certain hotel, but I'm thinking of possibly changing this one um, to one that I've actually stayed in before. We go up the mountain in a cable car on the following morning and shoot some breathtaking winter landscapes, weather permitting of course. If the weather is bad and the cable car is not running, which is a possibility, it won't... um, Be such a disaster as we're actually already in some of the most breathtaking scenery on the planet. After spending the morning and part of the afternoon up Mount Asahi, we'll start to make our way over to the Furano and BA area, and here we'll photograph the beautiful rolling hills with the Tokachi mountain range in the distance. This whole area is, is simply beautiful and it's made, it was made famous by a Japanese photographer who's now passed away called Shinzo Maeda. And uh, we'll be shooting in this area for the last two days. Making time to sort of travel around to a number of beautiful vantage points that I know. We'll, uh, we'll actually stay in the same hotel for both nights, which will make a nice change because we'll be able to leave our clothes and stuff in the room. And having you know not having to uproot uproot ourselves in the morning as we'll have done for all of the previous days, it'll really make a difference. And it's it's another you know really nice hotel that we'll be in. It's at the foot of the Daisetsuzan Mountain Ranges or Mountain Range. Um, it's called the Shirugane Park Hotel, uh, Park Hills Hotel. Sorry. On the afternoon of the 23rd, after shooting landscapes in the area since dawn, we'll. Uh, go and visit the Takushinkan, which is the gallery of uh, Shinzo Maeda, the guy I just mentioned. And uh, his son, Akira, is actually um, an established photographer too, and also uh, now has work displayed in the gallery. It's nice and warm in the gallery, so uh, you know, as well as the wonderful photography that we'll be able to enjoy, it should be a nice break before going back out to shoot in the late afternoon light and hopefully um, we'll, we'll see a nice sunset over the hills of B.A. On the last morning, we'll continue to shoot landscapes with an optional dawn shoot, and then around lunchtime, uh, we'll start to make our way over to the airport for the flight back to Tokyo Haneda Airport. Um, you'll notice that these last two days don't seem quite as packed as the rest of the tour, and that's something that I've done on purpose. Uh, depending on the weather conditions and how much we think we've already bagged in the area, I'd like to arrange a review session in the hotel where we are. You know, We'll, we'll go back to the hotel and look at each other's photographs and exchange ideas. And this is something that we just didn't have time to do in the 2008 tour, but um, everybody wanted to and we just couldn't find time with the schedule being so packed. So, uh, you know that's that's one thing that I want to try and build into these last few days as well. So it really depends on how how much we capture in in the time that we're up We do have out there, and you know also the weather. Maybe you know if it really is bad, then although we will shoot for a while, it'll probably force us back to the hotel sooner than um, you know than than we might do if we'd got slightly better weather. Um, if you remember last time um, for the 2008 tour. I started off calling this mainly a workshop, uh, but because there is simply, you know, so much to do, we found that uh, we, re- we really didn't have time for some any real structured learning. We uh, we found though that the participants um, last time didn't really need it either. So I started to emphasise uh, the photography tour part uh, much more. Uh, that doesn't mean though that that will be how it will be in the 2009 tour. Um, I will, of course, be actively teaching as much as possible. Because of the relatively full schedule, though, what I do is um, I prep everyone on the bus between locations or in the hotel on the night before or, or you know, say, whenever we have any spare time. Um, and then what I do is I'll let you know all about where we're going, what you'll see. Now, obviously, I will give you a full itinerary as well, um, that you know, print out so that you can carry that with you wherever we are. Um but uh, I'll let you know where we're going, what you'll see there and any special considerations that you need to bear in mind while shooting at that particular location. Let's talk a little bit more about what you will learn um, or have refreshed while on the, uh, the Hokkaido tour next February. This does, of course, totally depend on how much you already know and if you already know something, I'll not force it down your throat. If you want to know about anything though, I will spend as much time as necessary with the group or with individuals to make uh, sure that things are perfectly clear. I'll be shooting myself a little bit basically because I want to capture something to show you guys how I'm doing it and uh you know what I'm shooting as well. I want to be able to show you what I'm what I'm capturing and also keep an eye on optimal, exp- optimal exposure values which I tend to relate to the group as often as as I can as a reference. Although I will also be shooting, my main priority is helping you, the participant, to get the best shots and to learn as much as possible while doing so. I walk amongst the group while we're shooting to see if anyone has any questions and i provide advice, tips and techniques as necessary. Anyone can call me over at any time as well to ask specific uh, questions. Either on the bus or on location or a mixture of both, I will be working with you on the following as well. Whether you want to listen and try this stuff is up to you. One of the things that you will learn is how to shoot in manual mode to overcome the difficulties when shooting subjects that move from light to dark backgrounds and vice versa. This might sound very scary, uh, but I can assure you that it's not as difficult as you think and you will learn it very easily. You won't be forced to go manual if you're totally allergic to it or something, but I can assure you your images, especially of the wildlife, will benefit so much from it, and you'll never look back. One participant from last year found this the most valuable takeaway from the workshop, by the way. You'll learn about exposure, including calculation, calculating exposure shifts, especially when in manual mode when you really need to know that stuff, You'll learn how to control depth of field and shooting at the hyperfocal distance, and how to select an optimal focal length and compose effective images. And then, you know, basically just edit the scene in camera and just get it right as close as you can in camera. We'll work on effective shooting uh, techniques with, um, you know, post process camera stitching, uh, sorry, panorama stitching in mind. And we'll perfect those panning techniques uh, to track cranes and swans and uh, you know eagles taking flight, in flight and landing. We'll work on focusing techniques and how to make most of your cameras focus and improve your manual focusing skills. One thing that I have learned a lot about myself over the last year since shooting with the 1DS and its merciless resolution is better stabilisation techniques for telephoto lenses and I intend to pass this on to you in the workshop as well we'll also do, do some uh long exposure work which is just really so much fun i think you'll love that if you're not used to any of this already you'll learn uh how to shoot and stay safe in extreme cold and severe weather conditions where if you know we were lucky in 2008 because during most days it was positively balmy there was uh, you know the, the early morning shoots are bitter and the weather does turn if the weather does turn bad um it will you know it won't keep us from shooting at all in fact uh... i'm kind of hoping that we get some nice well-timed snowstorms as this will make for some great photography as well Um i it, you know it might get us back to the hotel quicker though as i mentioned earlier if if it really is bad weather We'll make the most of it, but probably not stay out quite as long as we would if it was nicer. Uh, but that you know that may not be a bad thing either, uh, because sometimes we just tend to shoot and shoot and shoot, and you know it, it, it sometimes will take something to get us out of that. Um, for this, you know, though, you're obviously going to need some good thermal clothing and protection for your for your camera gear. Even when it's pretty warm, the outside temperature rarely goes above 0 degrees Celsius or 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and the coldest times it can go down as as low as minus 30 degrees Celsius, which is about minus 22 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're going to need some good thermal underwear. Um, Long johns uh, are pretty much a must, some long-sleeve thermal shirts, and one or two... Um, More, if possible, pairs of like quilted or down trousers, like the ones that you you use for skiing, but not brightly colored, or you'll scare the wildlife. If your trousers are not waterproof, you might want to consider bringing um, some, you know, some like Gore-Tex over trousers, something like that. Uh, You'll want a waterproof down jacket, or again, a a Gore-Tex or other waterproof material over jacket you'll need some thermal boots with a sole good for walking on the snow and ice or at the very least some good quality hiking boots um winter hiking boots if possible and whatever you you decide to put on your feet you'll want some thick warm socks between you and the and the boots if your jacket doesn't have a a down or quilted hood then you'll want you want a nice warm hat that comes down over your ears You'll need a thin pair of gloves, not too thin, but relatively thin, and hopefully with something with a rubber grip uh, on the on the palm and the fingers that will give you um, you know some grip so that you can actually operate your camera with them on. I often take a second pair of uh, down over gloves, uh, but unless it gets really, really cold, I, I rarely use them, preferring to just stick my hands in my pockets. Uh, you know when I'm not actually shooting. Bring three or four polar fleeces or nice warm woolly jumpers or sweaters whatever you call them bring hand warmers and um, the chemical ones will work um, but also if you can get some of the ones that uh, burn solid fuel sticks these are good they stay warm without uh, having to be sort of jumbled around a little bit like the chemical ones often do um, the chemical ones are good though and uh, if you can get some that are designed to go in your boots as well um, if uh, if you don't if you can't carry um, you know these things over here with you or if you can't source them yourselves, then let me know that you want some, and I can probably pick these up and send them on to the hotel. Sorry, not the hotel to the bus, on you know so that the, the bus driver will bring those with him on the first morning. Um, note that if you do have the solid fuel burners, uh, then you will not be able to take the sticks with you on the plane. Um, you, you can sometimes get away with it if you have some from a previous trip you know by all means try sticking them in in your luggage um, at your own risk of course but um, if the people at the hotel find them they'll confiscate them, I've, I've had mine confiscated uh, in the past um, again with these if you if you want some of these let me know beforehand and I'll buy them here in Japan and you can actually post them up there you just can't take them on the plane so if I if you want some let me know, I'll pick them up and post them onto to the bus company so they'll be there for you on the first day. um you know if I do that stuff, we can just settle up with in cash when you when we meet on the first day. I'm not too worried about the uh, you know the money for these things until we actually get there. If you have any big stuff that you wanted to send on yourself direct to the bus company, then let me know, and I'll give you their address. Uh, We'll need to time it so that they arrive there, but not too early because we don't want to clutter their office office up with uh, with your camera gear. Uh, Or clothing, whichever whichever you choose to send on. Uh, But they will hold a certain amount of stuff for us until the start of the tour. So what photography gear do you need to bring? That's another big question. Ideally, your camera will be a digital SLR camera, uh, just because it saves changing film in the cold and possibly snowy weather uh also film gets brittle in the cold so uh, if you're used to this you know if you are a film shooter and you're used to de- used to dealing with it in the cold then you know by all means please do come along you, it's not as though you have to be a digital shooter to come on the trip but i think that if you are a digital shooter you'll just realize the benefits for uh wildlife shots you'll want long lenses and no shutter lag so, you know, again, although I'd be happy for you to come along, I really don't think that it's, um, it's that going to be that good a trip for you if you have like, a very basic compact digital camera. Um, a high-end one might work. Um, if possible, uh, you know, uh, if you have a, a, a DSLR, that's going to be best. And a second, as a second camera, a, a high-end um, digital might, compact digital might work. If you have two cameras, two SLRs, then definitely bring both, um, because what what we tend to do, especially for wildlife, you know, when the birds, sometimes the birds are far off, and uh, you know, we we shoot them with a long telephoto, and then all of a sudden they can fly over your head from behind. Someone always seems to be keeping a lookout, and you'll hear a call, you know, birds coming in, and you'll turn around. And the only way that you can get the shot is if you've got a second camera with a, a wider angle lens. I find a standard zoom, uh, the 70 to 200 is good for this, but also the 24 to 70 or 24 to 105. That range is also good for your second camera uh, while shooting the birds. Um, but basically, you know, two cameras is advised if you had a DSLR or an SLR with a film camera. And a compact digital that might work. Uh, two SLRs will be better. With regards to the lenses, you'll need um, a telephoto lens, as I say, no shorter really than 200 millimeters at the long end. A 70 to, 20, uh, 70 to 200 millimeter lens uh, would be about the shortest that you want. Um, if you do come with something like that, ideally, uh, ideally you'll have. A 1.4 times extender uh, or converter telecon converter for it as well. Um, if you have a 100 to 300 or a 100 100 to 400 millimeter lens, uh, that will be great as well. If you have one of the uh, the prime lenses, uh, something like a four, five, or 600 millimeter prime lens, bring it. This is this is the time that you really will get the most out of those lenses. Um, even with those lenses i do tend to use a 1.4x extender sometimes as well so really uh you know if you have long lenses bring it along you'll really uh, be glad that you did a mid-range zoom like i say the 24 to 70 f2.8 or 24 to 105 or you know any sort of standard zoom will be will be good that's a, a nice all round lens both for birds flying overhead and landscape work if you have one, uh, something even wider would be would be good—a 16 to 35 or a 17 to 40. Very nice lens for the landscape work, and uh, you know. So just bring that along as well. If you um, if you have a macro lens, you know you might use it, but it's definitely not essential. If you start if your bag's starting to get heavy, leave the macro out. Um, if you have a 25 millimeter extension tube, though, drop that into the bag because if you put one of those on a standard zoom, you've pretty much got an instant macro there. And so, you know, that'll save you some weight and still give you the opportunity to get some uh, close-ups of things that, you know, that you, you might want to capture or you would want to capture with your macro if you had it. So, uh, let's see, what else? A, f- a cable release. You'll want a cable release or remote t- a remote timer switch for the landscape work. You may be able to use a two-second timer if your camera has it um even a 10 second if that's your only option but uh if you do have a cable re- release bring it along you'll need a um let's see a pl f- filter at least for your wider lenses and you'll need a good sturdy tripod if possible taller than your eye level by a foot or so uh that's when you're standing up straight of course uh, the thing there is that if we're in deep snow the legs often sink in the snow, and so you know you lose a foot or so of of the height of the tripod, and you don't want to be crouched over while you're doing much of this work. If you have a monopod, bring it if it's not again not too much weight. Um, basically, that's for uh, shooting from the boat or for the panning shots. But this again is not critical as you uh, you know you can use a tripod with you know one of the legs you know the legs together with one extended slightly further as a as a makeshift monopod and the panning work to be honest we just do that freehand uh, hand you know um, with um handheld rather than uh, sticking it on a monopod um so you know it's not it's not a big deal for that at all it's really just uh, for for when we're on the boat um you you can't use a tripod on a boat obviously because it's going to be swaying around all over the place and there won't be enough room. You're gonna be either using a monopod or you're gonna be shooting it with your, um, you know, handheld. You'll want to bring, uh, let's see, lots of batteries. Um, definitely battery life is getting great, much, you know, much better than it used to be. I used to struggle with batteries in my old uh, 10D and 20D in the in the Hokkaido winters. Um, but with the big batteries that they have in the 1D series now, and also the you know the most of the, modern, the more modern DSLRs have much better battery life and they tend to uh, hold up to cold much better. But you'll be shooting more than you ever normally do, I would imagine. And still, most of that is going to be in sub-zero temperatures. So try to bring around three times the batteries that you'd normally use. If you if you find that you use um, say two batteries in a battery pack. Um, in a in a, a normal day you'll probably want to bring six batteries so that you can change them out three times if necessary you might get away with two uh you might even get away with one but there's nothing worse than being in front of a scene um, you know the scene of a lifetime and struggling for battery power so the same goes for cards you know you're going to want to bring um more memory than you think you'll need um and film if you if you're a, sh- a film shooter Bring enough film for about four weeks shooting. Really, uh, there's a lot of photography uh, to be had, and you, know, you can't buy good uh, film on the road here in Hokkaido, especially if you shoot transla- uh, tra- <laughs> transparencies. Uh, back to um, memory cards, though. If you have a portable storage, then you know by all means, you know don't try to bring enough memory for the whole trip. That would be a bit silly. But if you can bring a, a, port- a portable storage unit that will last you the trip, that's good. If you have a laptop or something that you want to download to, that's good too. Uh, but whatever you do, don't come for the whole trip with like uh, eight gigabytes of card because you'll—I I can assure you—you'll fill it on the first day. Um, I, I actually usually, uh, especially if I'm shooting all of the time without sort of doing the, the workshop sort of stuff, I'll—I'll I'll shoot anything from eight to twenty-four gig of of shots on these uh, on these days um it's good to be able to actually just back them up in the field so even though i'll probably be taking a laptop i will also be have i'll also have the uh an epson epson portable storage unit in my pocket and then if you do start to fill up your cards then you can start to back up in the field you'll want a good camera bag and although this might sound a little bit silly a little bit obvious you want one that fits all of your gear into it you know you don't want to be carrying uh, things in and out of, uh, you know, between the cold and warm environments in your hands. Uh, you need to get it in the bag. Preferably, um, the bag will have uh, some sort of a rubber seal on the grips, like uh, some, on the zips, sorry, like some of the Low pro bags do. Um, but this is not such a big deal, though. The, the important thing is to get your gear into the bag uh, before you go into the warmth of the hotel and this is basically to stop condensation forming on the gear and this can happen as well when going from the warm into the cold so uh usually when we're moving from extremes we put them into the bag and you know zip them up and you'll you'll normally want to leave them in the bag for I don't know anything up to an hour uh if it was really cold outside and that really just allows the the inside of the bag to become you know at least get above freezing before you open it up and um That'll, pre- that'll prevent combat uh, condensation from forming on your gear um bring a, a few medium sized plastic bags um you know that you can fit your cameras in and that way if you do get stuck where you just can't get everything back into your bag or you just don't want to you can put them into a, a plastic bag and then just sort of tie them up that will save you as well um and you know you can also use these uh, to protect your gear out if it starts snowing while we're outside, uh, you can use these bags to you know, punch a hole in them or, or turn them around and sort of use a, an elastic band, which you'll probably also want to to bring. Um, you know some strong rubber bands, and you can use those to sort of just strap them down onto the lens and just protect your gear from the snow. Um, I often though find that just draping a, a large towel or a cloth over the lens and camera body. Uh, protects it from most relatively light snow, unless it's really blowing a gale. If you have a proper cover that covers both your camera and lens, then this will help. You, you know, I've I've stopped recommending that you you bring uh, or that you use the the padded or quilted um, camera body covers because these, you know, they they do hinder the use of the camera a fair amount. Um, I know that Canon does one they do a a a sound proofing or a, a dampening and a cold protection sort of cover for the 1ds um I, to be honest i don 't know if i 'd even bother with these because they hold up very well in the cold now even though the manual tells you that they 're only working down to freezing point um basically though you know that if you bring a towel or something to drape over in the in the bad weather you 'll usually be okay. You're also going to want some kind of taping or foam cover. Uh, you, know, you can buy these from a camera store that basically um, slip over one of the legs of your tripod and that's to stop your hands from sticking to the tripod in extreme cold. We're not quite done yet, uh, but that's about it for the details. It's a long podcast this week. Um, that's about it for the details of the tour and what you'll need. And I guess now you're going to want to know how much all of this costs. So for the full nine days, the tour will cost 390,000 yen, not dollars, don't worry, uh, 390,000 yen, which is about uh, $3,700. Uh, sounds a lot, maybe, to some of you, um, but you know this is pretty much all-inclusive. The cost includes uh, the flight from Haneda to Hokkaido and back, plus all meals in luxury hotels for most of the time, good hotels for the rest of the time um and we have like i said earlier a chartered bus just us on the bus uh you'll have two seats to yourself and you know that's for the duration with a professional driver we also have to pay the driver's accommodation because we you know he he's actually with us 24 hours a day um especially for the dawn shoots we need that so it's required that we actually pay for the driver and keep him with us all of the time uh, it also includes the cost of the boat and other entrance fees that, we, uh, that might be necessary as we're going around. Um, it does not include insurance. I'm not able to purchase insurance for you here in Japan, so by signing up you agree to either take out your own travel insurance and insurance for your gear, if you're not already covered by your home insurance that is, or you agree to not hold me responsible if anything does happen. Japan is a safe place, um, but you never know. Uh, you know, it's 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 you know it's full of humans, and humans do bad things sometimes. So, uh, you know, please do make sure that you're covered. Also, note that uh, I obviously I don't cover your travel costs to Haneda Airport. You know, the trip starts at Haneda Airport and finishes there, so you're responsible for getting yourself over there and back home after the trip. If you do opt for the five-day tour, by the way, it will cost 250,000 yen, which is about $2,400. I stress, though, that you will regret going for this option. If at all possible, go for the full tour. It's going to be amazing. Once again, everything that I just mentioned um, above is included, but uh, you'll be dropped off at the Memambitsa airport on the afternoon of the fifth day. There is a limit to the number of participants. This is also based on feedback from last year's group. Uh, I will be taking bookings for up to 12 people. This is not only so that I can spend adequate time with each of you while shooting, but also so that we have two seats each on the bus. With all of our gear, uh, it's nice to be able to just drop your stuff down on the seat you know on the free seat next year, uh, rather than sort of keeping it on your knee or trying to stow it each time. It also means that there's no arguing for who gets the window seat. Of course, I'll be taking bookings uh, until Friday, the, the the what is it, the 12th of December, 2008, or until the tour sells out, whichever comes first. So please do book early if you're thinking of joining us. Something tells me that uh, we're going to have uh, much better take up this year, following the success of the trip last year, uh, not last year, earlier this year, and. I actually already have a number of firm promises for participation, so please do book early to avoid disappointment. If you are interested in joining us, do take a look at the mbpworkshops.com website. All of the details that I've mentioned today and more is up there. There are links to the video from this year and example photos, etc., uh, once you've made up your mind to book your place, you just need to pay for the tour using the buttons at the bottom of the page at www.mbpworkshops.com. You will be required to pay by credit card. Um, you, if you have a PayPal account, you can use that as well. But you can, you can, if you don't have one, you should be able to just pay by your credit card via that site. If you have problems or you'd you'd rather pay direct by transferring the money then just uh, mail me at workshops at martinbaileyphotography.com and I'll send you the, the details of the bank account to send the money to um, you know, either way if you, if you have any problems just drop me a line and we'll uh, we'll try and work everything out um, use the button on the left at the bottom of the page to pay for the full tour and you know for the nine day tour and the one on the right is for the half-day tour, so uh, you know don't use that because you really need to come on the full one. And um, that's it, though. That's all you need to do to get uh, signed up. I will, of course, remove the buttons and and state something like uh, you know sold out if there there are no places, pet uh, no places left. If you were if you want to book more than just a few people, um, you won't know obviously uh, whether we're close to the twelve or not. So. If you want to book more than a few people, drop me a line as well and uh, you know, I'll make sure that we have the places before you do book. Um, but then all you have to do is get over here and enjoy the trip of a lifetime, learning tons of stuff, getting photographs that you only dreamt of so far while staying in top-class hotels in the most beautiful island on the planet. If you are interested and still have some outstanding questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. With uh, You can either use the contact us button on the website or on the main website at martinbaileyphotography.com, or you can mail me, as I say, at uh, workshops at martinbaileyphotography.com. If you do use one of the web forms, uh, please double check your email address in the form because if it's not valid, I won't be able to get back to you. And you'll you'll also, you should always receive a carbon copy, a cc of your email um, from this form. So if you don't receive a copy of the mail, then you'll know something's wrong. So just try try a different way or or check your email address and resend. Either way, um, if you don't hear back from me within 48 hours or so of your query, then please do mail again. I hope uh, I do see you next year in Hokkaido though. Uh, For now, you have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the podosphere. Photocastnetwork.com